and take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Just to kind of update you on what's going on. We've been going through what we call the House on a Rock series. You hear people a lot of times, they will talk about you know, building their life on Jesus Christ. And, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we know the terminology. We know the things that we're supposed to say. We know all the right answers. But at the same time, when it comes down to actually doing it, it can be a completely different story. And in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, that passage of Scripture is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is a message that preached by Jesus. I've been telling people I didn't come up with these sermons. I stole them. I stole them from Jesus. They were, it was from His sermon. And, uh, and there are so many things that in those three chapters that are really key things, a lot of the uh, beliefs and doctrines and things that we stand for as Christians, they come from this Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gets to the end of it and He says, anyone who hears these sayings of Mine and doeth them will be like an unto a wise man that built his house on a rock. Bible says the rains came and the floods came and they beat upon the house, but it stood because it was founded on a rock. But he said, anyone who hears these sayings and doesn't do them is like that foolish man that built his house on a sand. If we do not do these things, Bible says we're like a foolish man. He said that's kind of mean. Well, Jesus said it, not me. And he said when those same things came along, when the same rains, when the same floods came. The foolish man's house, it fell because it was, it was built on sand. And you know, really what the world is teaching today, it is it's sand. And that's why lives are falling apart. That's why they're crumbling. That's why homes are destroyed. It's because people are not building their life on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when that house fell, it says great was the fall of it. And or we're, I mean, it's getting bad. I think it was Brother Pat you were talking about today, all the suicides and things. Or no, it wasn't you. It was uh, Brother Lonnie was talking about all the suicides and things that have been going on, just suicide attempts. And uh, people are struggling today. And it's because their lives are not built on Jesus Christ. And boy, that's why it's so important that we be uh, getting the Gospel to them. To let them know that you know there are so many people out there that are kind of teaching false things that it's got a lot of people burned out and turned off to it. But I'm here to tell you the Word of God is still true. It still applies today as much as it did when Jesus spoke it. And if people will follow it, it would change, it would change their life. But we're at Matthew 6 right now, and in verse 16, uh, we finished with verse 15 two weeks ago, and then now we're back in verse 16. And Jesus said, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou and thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, and thou, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The first thing I want to look at tonight, we're in this passage, we're going to, the section we're going to go through, it kind of jumps around. It's not really all in one theme. But the first thing that we want to look at, and this is kind of, uh, going off the previous verses where it talked about people that like to say prayers and they would like to uh, give their offerings in front of people and they would try to put on a show about it. Or they'd stand up and they'd say these big fancy prayers and people would hear them and they'd think, boy, how eloquent they are. and Boy, how spiritual these people must be. And Jesus said that's they already have their reward. When you pray, go in a closet and pray. 
And then also it talked about people when they did their alms. In other words, they would like to make a show about how much they were giving. Well, they would like they like to sound the trumpets and just let everybody know about this great sacrifice and this great gift that they were given to God. And God said not to do that, and He gives them an example of how to pray. And then He talks about fasting. A lot of times these people they would go and they would put on a show about fasting. Now, fasting is something that uh, that's most of the time it's associated with not eating for a certain period of time. Um, many times when somebody's really praying about something or they're really uh, wanting God to do something, they'll go on what we call a fast. They might go a day or a couple days or sometimes maybe even a few days and they won't eat anything. Okay? Now, a fast is not a hunger strike Okay, where we say, I'm not eating until God gives me what I want. Sometimes what we want and what God wants are two completely different things. But I believe if one of the, the a fast, what it's really all about is it's a way we can kind of get control over this flesh. I mean, really, if we can go a day without eating, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, mean, I know it doesn't sound that hard, but you try it sometime, it's not easy. Not for me anyways. But a lot of times these guys, they would do it. And we're not going to talk so much about fasting tonight, but they like to put on a big show about it. They'd like to let everybody know they're fasting. Uh, it says that they would uh, you know, disfigure their faces. They wanted to appear to fast. Sometimes they weren't even doing it. They'd be talking about how they maybe they hadn't eaten in several days and they were going to be like Moses and go on this 40-day fast. Okay, But they weren't really doing it. And Jesus said when you're going to do it, you need to do it in secret. Number one that you have there on your paper is to be sure you fast secretly. Fasting is something that is between you and God. Now, if you give a testimony later about fasting, or there, there may be somebody you want to talk to about it. Maybe you have somebody that's close to you spiritually. Um, I, I think it would be a great idea if you're going to fast. You probably want to tell your wife because otherwise she might you know, you decide, I'm going to go a day without eating. And chances are, if you do that and you don't tell her, she's going to decide to make your favorite meal that night. And you're going to be, you're going to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And if you do uh, not give in to that temptation, you'll probably make her mad because of all the work she put into it and you for absolutely nothing. So it's probably a good idea to tell your wife about it. And maybe somebody else who you get spiritual motivation from. But it's not something that we want to do to put on a show. Number two, we're not to use fasting to make ourselves look spiritual. It's not something that... We're not putting on a show. We're not out to make people think we're spiritual. We're trying to get a hold of God. We're trying to get control of this flesh. We're trying, uh, we're trying to see God do a work. And it's not, it's not a show. Prayer is the same thing. It's not a show. Um, I mean, there, there's some public prayer that's okay, but if you're just trying to impress people, then it really defeats the purpose because when we pray, we're supposed to be talking to God. When we fast, we're trying to communicate with God. And if we're just doing it so people can look at us, God says that's not what it's all about. In fact, He says that they already have their reward. But He says, when thou fastest, do it in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God will reward you. God will answer those prayers. It will be obvious. People, if you do that in your life, if you have the right kind of prayer life, if you even do fasting, things like that, God's going to bless you and people are going to see it. They're going to be able to tell. And God's going to be the one that's going to get the glory in that situation, not you. 
And that's we're ultimately meant to glorify God. And if we're bringing glory on ourselves, well then God's not going to have His hand on us. He's not going to bless us because God is not here to glorify man. We're here to glorify God. And we do not want to get away from that. We should be more concerned, number three, about what God sees and not what man sees. It's very important that, that we keep that mindset. Because you know what? It's, it's real easy to do to, to please man on the outside. You know, all we I mean if we just I mean, for me, I'm pretty easy to please. You know, you show up to church, I'm gonna be happy, you know, just you do some of those little outward things. You know, anybody can, you know, put on a suit and a tie, anybody can do that. But you know what the thing is, I mean and man sees that and they might be impressed. Well, let me tell you, God is a whole lot more concerned about what goes on the inside. Doesn't mean the outwards doesn't matter, and that He doesn't want you to do that too. But we need—that shouldn't be what we're interested in. If you're just dressing or uh, fasting or even giving just because you're afraid of the, oh, the pastor might see if I don't put something in the offering plate, or the pastor might you know get on me or whatever, then let me tell you, you're missing the point. We need to be concerned about what God sees. And because he's the one that rewards us, me, I mean, I might give you a pat on the back or say something nice about you, but then that's your reward. And I'm here to tell you that God can reward you a whole lot better than I can. So don't try to please man. Worry about pleasing God. And then in verse 19, we kind of go. It kind of changes directions here a little bit, or changes subjects. But then he goes in verse 19. And he says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now in, the, in these past verses, he's been talking about how when we're seen of men, and if, if man's impressed with you by your prayers or by your giving or by your fasting, you have your reward. You've gotten the praise of men. Okay, I'm here to tell you too, that's not that great of a reward. Usually the people who praise you the loudest and praise you first will be the first ones to put the knife in your back. So don't work too hard on getting the praise of man. It usually comes back to haunt you. But the Bible says instead of being concerned about impressing people and laying up treasures here on this earth or rewards here on this earth, he said lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Number four, prepare for eternity. Now, listen, I'm 100% for saving money and I'm not against having things. If you want to have a nice house or nice cars, I'm all for that. I don't mind things. I don't have a problem with that. But let me tell you, these things that we have on this earth, they don't last forever. Moth and rust doth corrupt. Those cars that people, sometimes a good portion of people's income is spent on vehicles. Someday it's going to be sitting in a junkyard. I mean, that that dream house, someday it's probably going to get bulldozed. It doesn't last forever. It's temporary. It's nice to have. It's okay to have a nice house. It's okay to have a nice car. But it's not going to last forever. And Bible teaches us, and we see here at number 5, don't get caught up in things that are temporary. All these things that we can get on this earth are temporary. Money's temporary. Possessions are temporary. Cars, houses. It's all temporary. It all gets corrupted. It all goes away. I'll tell you, money these days, it can go fast. Really fast. That's why you want to be sure 
that you have that you're focused more on the eternal things and more focused on having God's blessing on your life because it's amazing the things that people will sacrifice or they'll get out of the will of God for for maybe a job that just pays a little bit more an hour. Let me tell you, that money can disappear like that. The will of God is the most important thing for your life. And you don't want to get away from that. So don't get caught up in things that are temporary. That's We ought to think about that every once in a while. Take a look at that house. And take a look at those cars and think, how much of my life do I really want to spend you know, trying to get these things that aren't going to last forever? You know, The, the things that aren't going to... They don't, they don't really matter. But the Bible says, lay up treasures in heaven. Number six, lay up treasures in heaven. The Bible says, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. The things that we lay up in heaven, they last forever. Think about it, this time on earth, it's, it's really pretty short when you compare it to eternity. It's very short. Even if you live to be a hundred years, it's not that long, but heaven is eternal. And the Bible says to lay up our treasures in heaven. How do we do that? Well, one way we can lay up a treasure in heaven is the Bible says that a soul is worth more than all the riches of this world. You know, every person that we see in this church that comes to know Christ as their Savior, that's worth more than anything. And you know what? We'll get to enjoy that soul for eternity. Somebody gives their heart to Christ. That person's saved. They're on their way to heaven. We'll be with them for eternity. It doesn't end. But not just souls. But the Bible says when we give here on earth, when you give to the house of God, when you give to missions, when you give to others, when you give to those that are in need, the Bible, God sees that. He keeps track of that. And the Bible says that we're going to be rewarded someday for that. And those rewards last for eternity. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good investment to me. That sounds like something that I want to, I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of something that's going to last forever. And so the Bible says, lay up treasures in heaven. And then he says, why here? He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, it, you can tell real fast where people's heart is. You can. You can tell by how they spend a lot of their time. Somebody who, uh, you know, maybe, and so, you know, and these things aren't bad. Maybe you can tell their hearts into hunting or fishing. Okay, I like doing those things. Maybe their hearts in sports. You can tell because that's kind of where they spend a majority of their time. You know, you're going to spend a lot of time focusing on where your heart's at. Maybe it's family. Where your heart's with that family. You care about that family. You spend a lot of time with them. And that's okay. But but the Bible says where our treasure is. If your family is the most valuable thing to you, you're going to spend a lot of time focusing on that family. If it's your job or if it's your money, you're going to neglect things like your family and you're going to focus on those things. But if our treasures, the Bible says, if they're in heaven, if we're laying up treasures in heaven, we're going to be so much more concerned and focused on those things that it's going to help us and it's going to cause us to follow after Christ. Because our treasures are in heaven. You know, I've never had a whole lot of money here on this earth. I haven't. God's always provided. And God's taken good care of us. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm here to tell you today that I don't really have anything on this earth that makes me want to get out of the will of God. I don't. 
Most of my treasure, I believe, is in heaven today. And that's where my heart is. And that's why I want to focus on those things. Before we, before we move to this area, you know, we, the, the house, we, the house we live in, we love the house. So we had a house out in the country. It was, uh, it was a nice place. I mean, God was taking care of us. But you know what? I don't miss those things. You know why? Because my heart wasn't in that place or that house. I love I love my former church. I love the people there. But you know what? I've been trying to lay up my treasures in heaven. And so when the Lord called us to this area, it was a pretty easy decision to make. Because my my heart and my treasures are in heaven. And if the Lord leads me here, I knew that it meant He had something a whole lot better for me. The will of God is the best place you can be. And I believe that that's here in Rock Falls, and I'm thankful. And I, I'm thankful, and I tell you, I don't, re, I don't regret anything. I, I'm just, I am excited as can be about what God's going to do because I've read in His Word, and I know, uh, I know that this is the will of God, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to death. I'm excited. So we want, we want to lay up treasures in heaven, and then uh, number seven is we need, so we need to keep your heart in the right place. Keep your heart. In the right place, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We've got to protect our heart. You know, we live in a world today that has a lot of things trying to get our heart. One of the reasons materialism is taking so many people down today is we're bombarded every day with advertisements, with commercials, with you know the billboards, with just ads. You see them everywhere, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get our heart. They're wanting our hearts, and our they're wanting us to desire these different items, or you know, clothing, or cars, or whatever. They're trying to get us to focus on those things and want those things more than anything, because they know if they can get our hearts fixed on those things, that they can get us to spend great deals of money. To get them, and we got to be so we got to protect ourselves because we don't want to get in. You know, a lot of times people they get in over their heads and they'll get themselves deep into debt and things because their hearts fixed on these things and they'll do whatever they have to do to get them. And we got to protect our heart. The devil he's going to get your he's going to get your heart. Try to get your heart as far away from the things of God as he can. He's going to try to get you out of the house of God. He doesn't want you in church because in church you're going to be reminded all the time about keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. You're going to be reminded that you need to follow this Word of God and do His will and tell other people about Christ. And that's the last thing He wants. And He's always going to try to get your eyes on the things of this world and get your heart fixed on those things. But the Bible says we need to keep our heart with all diligence. we got to work on it. you got to do it on purpose. And then number eight, keep your eyes only on good things. The Bible says in verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Right here, this passage is what it's trying to say is one, don't try to look at both sides. Number nine, don't try to look at both sides. If I and I, if we're focused on things that are evil all the time, if that's what we're looking at, if that's what we're watching, then our, we're going to be evil on the inside. Our, I mean, have you ever known somebody who just seemed like no matter what they talked about, 
it was always something negative. I mean, they could talk about you could be talking about some great news that happened, and they'll come up with something negative to say. I mean, somebody has a baby. That's that's good news. That's exciting. Oh man, well you know how expensive it is to raise kids these days. You know why their eyes just always focus on the negative? It's always focused on the evil. Boy, we live in. The, boy, this, I wouldn't want to raise a kid in this day and age with all just the perverts that are out there and all the things that could happen. Let me tell you, we don't want to focus on those things. We want to focus at the good things, and it'll cause our whole body to be filled with light. There's other people; they're optimistic about everything. You can tell them you've got cancer. This is another opportunity for God to show Himself strong and work and heal you. I mean, I mean. Hey, and the worst that can happen, you'll die and go to heaven. They're just optimistic about everything. And usually those people are happier. It seems like things go better in their life. And it's true, if you stay focused on good things, number 10, you'll have victory. You'll have victory. Boy, some people, they're so down all the time and so depressed that even when good things happen, you think they just got defeated. Well, we don't want to be that way. We ought to be optimistic. We ought to be excited about the things that God does in our life. God's, God, and if we do, God will give you victory. If you get focused on evil, it, it will defeat you. Number 11. Evil will defeat you. Don't get too focused on it. Don't get caught up on it. Don't let those things get you down. Let me tell, I mean, just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart in the things of God. Keep your heart in the Word of God. You know, many times the people, the things that people fear and the things that people get discouraged about, there's scripture that I, I mean, as soon as I, I hear about it, I, I can think of all these scripture verses that says completely different. Sometimes people, they get worried about their salvation. You know, maybe they've, they've given their heart to Christ, but you know what? Sometimes we don't always feel like we're saved. I believe if you're truly saved, I believe you can't lose it. There's just like there was nothing we could do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to lose it. If you're saved, you're saved. God says He's given us eternal life. If you can lose it, it wasn't very eternal. But yet, people will get down about that. It's like... You know, I could think of all these scriptures. Man, haven't you read the Bible? Have you looked at what the Word of God says? Don't let that get you down. Don't focus on that. We don't. God doesn't want us laying at bed at night worrying and wondering if we're going to go to hell. That's why God told us how we can know that we have eternal life. But people, they get focused on the wrong things. Then lastly, in verse 24, it says, "No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other." Or else you will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know what? We've got to choose sides. We've got to pick sides. That's number 12. Just choose sides. Remember Joshua in Joshua 24. He says, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. He said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So go ahead and choose. If you can't keep trying to do both, if you want to serve the other gods, go ahead. Serve the other gods. But me, I've made a decision. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to pick sides. Too many people today are trying to, they're trying to stand on the fence. I talked to a girl one time in the detention home and she was there and I was talking to her about salvation. She's like, I want to get saved, but... I don't want. She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? She's like, she said, I want to go to heaven, but 
I don't want to. I don't want to live like a Christian. I want to keep doing the things that I'm doing. She's like, I just. So I said, so you don't want to get saved. You want to stay lost and you want to go to hell. She's like, no, I don't want that either. She's like, I. I guess I just I don't want to do anything. I want both. And I said, listen. I said, you've got to make a choice. There's and I said, if you said so you can't choose to do nothing to stand in the middle. I said, if you reject Jesus Christ, it's because you chose you chose the devil. There's no two ways around it. But I said, you need to be honest with yourself and you need to admit it and say, I, I'm choosing the devil. I'm choosing to go to hell. You need to do that. And she would, she didn't want to say that. But the truth is, that's exactly what she was doing. It is impossible, number 13, to do both. It's impossible. It says, no man can serve two masters. You can't do it. At your job, you can't, you've, you've got different authority structures there, and sometimes we've got multiple bosses, but there's always one that's kind of the main authority. If you have two of them trying to do it, it's just going to be chaos. They're going to fight all the time. I mean, can you, it's, it's just, it doesn't work that way. They say anything with two heads is a monster. And it's, it's true. It's just going to bring, it's going to cause problems. And we've got people today that are trying to serve two masters. They want to be a Christian. They want to, they want to go to heaven. And that's why, you know, Brother Pat today, he brought me an article about, uh, about this church that's trying to be one of these churches that don't look like church, that just make everybody feel good. They don't really preach against anything. The church, one church had like a tattoo parlor and a, a massage parlor in there. Okay, that's not church. Alright? I mean, you can call it, unfortunately, they didn't call it church. They called it the gym. Alright? And that was appropriate because it wasn't church. But I'm here to tell you that. Yeah, yeah the guy even claimed to be Baptist. Thought, you know what? Pick a different name, bud. <laughs> that's, that's, not what, that's not what we're all about. But you know what? People, they want to do both. They know, they know that Jesus, you need to go through Jesus to get to heaven, but they're not about ready to repent of their sins. They're not going to do that. They want to continue being worldly. They want to continue living like they were before. You hear a lot of churches today, and, and I'm partially for the statement. You, know, that you see the come as you are. Okay? That's fine. You know what? Anybody can come into this church. I don't care how wicked they are. I don't care what they've done. But I hope they don't leave as they came. I hope they get saved. I hope they give their heart to Christ. I hope they, I hope they change their ways. I hope they repent of their sins. I'll welcome anybody into this church. But you know what? We're, we're going to preach the truth. We're going to preach the Gospel. He kept talking there, we need to have a church where people can be more comfortable. We're not, we're not always supposed to be comfortable. Sometimes we need to get our toes stomped on, as you've heard it said before. Boy, we need to be convicted. We need, we need the Word of God to speak to us and to prick our hearts and, to, and cause us to turn from our sins. Because I'm here to tell you today, just like Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You cannot live for the devil and live for Christ. You've got to choose. You've, it's impossible to do both. Trying to do both will only bring, number 14, instability. That's all it'll do. It'll bring instability. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But we can't be double-minded like that. We can't try doing both. It's not going to work. It's only going to bring instability. I've known people like that. Boy, it's like one day they're, 
They're a good, strong Christian. They're going to live their life for God and then the next week they're living for the devil. And they're just back and forth all the time. People come into the churches like that. And then it confuses the kids and they're thinking, you know, mom and dad, one week they want to be a Christian, the next week they don't want to. And the kids get confused. And you know what they do? They say, I don't want any of it. I just want to get as far away from it as I can. And they get turned off to it. I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't like the churches that, that preach the Gospel because they grew up around it where it was, it was wishy-washy and they were always you know, living godly one week and then backsliding the next week. It was always back and forth. And there was never any stability in their life. And the Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We've got to get our minds and we've got to get our hearts fixed on one thing. and We need to get it fixed on Jesus Christ. We need to get focused on Him. As a church, it's important that we don't, that we're not, that we're all on the same page and that we're not going off in all these different directions because you know what? It will make us an unstable church. And that's why that we, that's why we follow the Word of God. That's why we need to make sure we stick to the Word of God and that we make sure that we, uh, that whatever we do, that we've got Scripture to back it up. Because you know what? If we do, if we stay in this Bible, then it's going to cause, if we make it the final authority, if it's the final say in everything, then we're going to be on the same page. Because you know what? The Bible, it doesn't contradict itself. I contradict myself sometimes. You know, with the, even this, with this many people in a room, we probably, I mean, we've got, there would be all kinds of opinions on all kinds of things. We've all got our ideas. We've all got our ways. There's going to be all kinds of disagreements all the time. But thank God, the Word of God, though, it stays the same. And you know what? It's not our job to change it. People are doing that these days. They don't like what's in the Bible. Well, we need to have a more gender-neutral Bible. It says man too much. It needs to say person. Okay, let's. You know, no, we don't need to do that. Or you know what? Some of those verses in the Bible, boy, you know that they're they're kind of uh, exclusive. Where it says that you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. Well, that's that's not that's not real good. Let's. Uh, Let's change that a little bit so we don't exclude other religions. I heard somebody quote verse Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which giveth me strength. So I can do all things through him which gives me strength. They don't want to name Christ in there because that that's excludes too many other religions. Let me tell you, that kind of thing is what's destroying churches today. That is, it's not doesn't line up with the word of God. We need to, we don't, we've got to pick sides. I choose to follow the Word of God today. This is what He's given us. God's not, God, Jesus is not here on earth today. God doesn't speak to us like He did back in those days. He does it through His Word. And His Word is what we want to focus on. And we don't want to try to, we don't want to just pick and choose. We don't want to try to just stay in the fence. We don't want to try to please everybody. Right, listen folks, I'm not here today. To try to, I'm not one of these preachers that likes to pick fights with all the other churches and other preachers. You see that a lot, even in even in Baptist churches. A lot of times, Baptists are known for picking fights with everybody and always arguing about everything. Okay, I'm not here to do that today. I don't want to. I don't want to pick fights with other people. I'm not, I don't want to do that. But I am here today to tell you that I've chosen my sides. I've chosen the Word of God. Is the final authority. I've chosen this book as where I'm going to guide my life and what I want to do. I want to follow Jesus Christ. And if other people say different, that's fine. If they want, if they want to choose, they can choose whoever they want. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what all of us ought to be able to say in our life. And ultimately what we're doing is we're focusing on the eternal. There's a lot of things that we could do that would probably make us more popular in the community. It might make people like us better. But you know what? I'm not focused on the earthly things. Because it's temporary. I want to focus on what God wants me to do and on Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll do the same thing. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to go to the. We always like to give people an opportunity to come and talk to God, just kneel at an altar and pray. I believe it's so important, you know, that this world today it's it's trying and trying to pull us away. It makes 